So this is the last day, last Sunday of our missions emphasis, uh, next steps theme. I want to give you a little highlight as to what's going to happen over the next two weeks. And this is as a result of a kind of a stirring that Pastor Steve and I have felt and some conversations that have taken place. Many of you might be aware that there have been some high profile people in, in media and social media, uh, Christian leaders that have recently left the, the faith, uh, young, young leaders, in fact. And so uh, what Pastor Steve and I are going to do, we're going to have a little series, a two-part uh, called Exit Interviews. And what we're going to do is we're going to pretend that we are uh, conducting an exit interview with a couple of these high-profile Christian leaders that have recently left the faith. And in a pastoral and loving way and compassionate way, dig through some of the reasons why they are saying that they've left the faith. And the, the whole point of this is to give us some understanding and some language around what you probably have experienced yourself in knowing people around you that have left the faith. In fact, um, I want, one of my plans uh, this week is to contact a cousin of mine who has recently uh, left the faith, among other friends that have done that, just to be open and honest and to, to understand a little bit more about what's happening in the lives of these young people. And so we look forward to to, to combing through that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but today's a really important day because we're concluding our next steps theme uh, for our, our missions month. And if you remember, uh, the first week I talked to you about discovering your purpose, that God has given you each a, a unique and uniquely designed purpose. And Pastor Steve, over the last two weeks, talked to you about how about listening to God's voice, that God is calling, that God is speaking, and that we need to have the, the openness of our, the ears of our faith to hear what God is saying to us. The, last week he talked about how we all have unique gifts and uh, in addition to that calling and that purpose. God has equipped us and that uh, each of us have that uniquely crafted, uniquely designed gift set to be used for God's uh, purposes. And so we're going to continue uh, today in the book of Acts as we've been doing each of those weeks. And I invite you to turn to page, uh, to page, to chapter 28 of the book of, of Acts. And as you do that, I want you to consider something because my guess is that many of you are in the process, if you have been really listening and, and taking notes and really soaking this in, that you're in the midst of figuring out, okay, God, what is my next step? And some of you might have learned that already, but my guess is that many of you, many of you haven't, and that discerning and figuring out what God's purposes are for your life are a little bit more difficult than, than maybe easier said than done in, in, many, uh, in many respects. And the reason is because of this statement that I'm gonna make, I think it's true for many of us here, and that is, uh, that your next step, if it was easy, if it was sexy, if it was sugar rushed, and if it was infused with naps, you would already be doing it. <laughs> right? I mean, if it was easy, comfortable, if it was sexy, if it was attractive, if it was sugar rushed, if it always gave us that natural high that, that we're looking for, and then when we're completely exhausted, gave us the appropriate amount of naps. We would, we would have been doing that already, right? If it was easy, if it was comfortable, we would already be doing it. But what we're finding probably is that the call of God, the purposes of God, the next steps that God has for you are not so easy, are not filled with all the luxuries and the comforts that, that sometimes we chase after when we are living our, our lives. Um, 
one of the books that we've quoted throughout the series is the book With by Sky Jatani. And Sky Jatani, he says this about the life with God. He says, so far the evidence for a safe world when we live a life with God looks pretty weak. In fact, life with God appears to increase pain and expedite death. And then he asked a critical question for us. Who wants that? Right? And, and how many times have we thought about the, the life-giving, peace-filled, hope-filled relationship with God that means everything to us, and then we invite people into that same relationship with God, and then they're struck with that, that reality. Whoa, wait a second. Following Jesus is a little bit hard here. It's a little bit more difficult than, than maybe I thought it would be at the onset. Now, through the book of Acts, uh, I mentioned in, the, in week one, Acts follows a particular set of flows, and one of them is a flow of leadership and perspective. It begins with Peter, and I talked about Peter in the first week, um, and then it transitions to Paul, and really the bulk of the book of Acts um, has to do with Paul and Paul's life and Paul's ministry and perspective. And Paul was one person that we read about that as he served God, as he gave his life over to God that Pastor Steve preached about a couple of weeks ago, he immediately was experiencing hardships as a direct result of that. He did not experience his best life right now. He did not experience all of the comforts and the luxuries uh, that the world had to offer him. He, he faced just the opposite. Hardships, troubles, Opposition, difficulties, as a direct result of taking that next step that God was inviting him into. Here's a little list, and it gets a little bit long here, but I just, I chuckle sometimes at the, the perspective that Paul offers here in 2 Corinthians 11, 21 to 28. He, he's responding to uh, some people who are trying to discredit them discredit him and these people were following Paul in his ministry and they were trying to discredit Paul and they were listing their own resume why they should the people should be listening to to those leaders and not Paul and here's what Paul says in response to it. he says I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do all those things that those other people have listed but whatever they dare to boast about now I'm talking like a fool again I dare to boast about it too. So here we have a little bit of a human side of Paul coming out. He's a little bit frustrated because he keeps having to prove himself to the church that he had a hand in starting. He says, are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman here, but I have served him far more. And then he goes and lists the reasons why he can say that. I have worked harder. I've been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. And he goes on and on about this. He says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea, I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry Okay, take a breath. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, I love this part as a pastor, then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern 
for all the churches. Now, I have been a Christian for, for a long time, and I've been a pastor for um, about 12 years and, you know, youth pastor before that, so I've been in ministry quite a long time. I don't have anything close to a resume like this. I, I really, you know, I can only share that last one, having the daily burden of concern for the churches, because I do care, but that, that's the only thing that I can resonate with, with, with Paul on this. Can you imagine this? Now, if you ever find yourself kind of complaining, you might want to pull up the scripture and give you kind of a little bit of a reality check. He endured so many hardships as a direct result of following God's ways, of answering that call to take those, those next steps. Well, it continues on, and let's turn to chapter 28, and we're gonna look at verses one through four. You notice, you can tell that we're getting close to the end of the book of Acts here. So we're at the tail end. And it says this on chapter 28, verses one through four. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, oh, a murderer, no doubt. <laughs> Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. I want to give you a little background as to how Paul ended up on the island of, of Malta. Paul had three different missionary journeys throughout the course of his ministry. The first was directly after he was converted. He went around and he started to see something quite amazing. The Gentiles, not the Jews, the Gentiles were coming to faith. They were converting to the faith. And immediately that created an issue because the original church was all Jewish. They worshiped and lived out their faith the way they knew how as good Jewish men and women. And yet these Gentiles, they didn't come from that background. They didn't share that same perspective. They didn't know what to do and, and all of that. And so there's immediate crisis from these Jewish leaders, Peter, uh, one of them included. Should we make them become Jewish before they become Christian? <laughs> Should we make them go through all of the things that we would expect a good Jew to do before they turn to Jesus and become a part of, of the faith. Now this is really challenging because we're talking about adults here and one of those signs, those rites of passage was circumcision and, and I don't need to go into detail about why that might be difficult for some people. And so, Paul advocating the fact that the Gentiles wouldn't have to go through all of that makes his case at a council, we see this in chapter 15 of Acts, at a council with Peter and all the other leaders. Paul wins Peter over towards his argument and Peter makes the decision, the declaration, that no, in fact, the Gentiles will not have to go through all of those things in order to be believers in Jesus, in order to be a part of the faith. And he did offer some caveats, but we do think all of this, we do recommend that, we do mandate that you go through all of this. There's some other caveats there. And then just simply says something, but we also want you, as you go around and minister to these Gentiles, we want you simply to remember the poor. Remember the poor. Now Paul took that to heart. 
Now through the second missionary journey, he went on and he began to empower new leaders, even Greek leaders, and Pastor Steve talked about one of those leaders, Apollos. Apollos was a Greek. He was well-spoken and they empowered him in the faith and, and raised him up and discipled him. And on his third missionary journey, he found himself doing a little fundraiser because remembering the poor was something that he held closely to his heart. He went around and he was collecting money for the poor in Jerusalem. And his goal was to get back to Jerusalem in order that he would deliver this offering for the poor that was, that was there. Now, at this time, Paul's running into all kinds of trouble, specifically from people who didn't agree with the council's decision. And they thought, well, no, these people need to go through these things in order to become Christian. They need to go through, become Jewish before they become Christian. And so they would follow around Paul on his journey and discredit him and try to cause divisions. And they knew, they knew that Paul was going to run into all kinds of problems the closer he got to the center of all this, which was Jerusalem. He, in fact, he was warned specifically, don't go into Jerusalem. It's nothing but trouble. But he did it anyways because when he was sitting in jail, the Lord spoke to him. And he said, Paul, you're going to be taking this message with you to the city of Rome. And so Paul persisted in that dream, in that calling, in that, in that mission that God had given to him. He was arrested. He made his case before all kinds of leaders and rulers. For months, he just sort of sat there talking, pleading his case, trying to win people over. And eventually, it led to him being transported um, on his way to Rome. Now keep in mind, this is in the ancient world, so it would take a long time for them to reach their destination. destination. It's not like getting on the flight to Rome. And so they all had all kinds of circumstances. They were shipwrecked, and in fact, they were shipwrecked just outside of the island of Malta. And that's how they end up here in chapter 28 on the island of Malta on their way to Rome. And after all of the hardships of Paul's ministry, all, after all the opposition, I can understand a little bit why Paul, who gets bit by a viper just trying to help out, he was just rescued from the shipwreck. He's just trying to help out like a good person. And here comes the snake, the viper, and attaches himself to the arm to his hand. And what does it say? It says he just shook it off. Like, oh, I've been through this before. He shakes it off into a fire. Now here's what's really interesting. That in verse six, here's what we find. The people, the natives there, waited for him to swell up or to suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. All right. Here, after all of these difficulties, after all of these problems, after all of these hardships, each time, I imagine Paul had been asking the question, okay, where's my line in the sand here? Where, what is actually the straw that breaks the camel's back here? When can I say enough is enough? When can I call it quits here? 
And he endured all of it. And we know when we face hardship, when we're trying to serve God and we face opposition, it is tempting for us to hold back and to halt our progress from taking that next step towards the purposes of God. And we know that and we've experienced that and we see that in the, especially in the life of Paul. But here's another thing that we don't consider. We don't appreciate enough that as much as our troubles and our opposition and our attacks can tempt us from holding back and not moving forward towards God's purposes, our successes can be even more powerful. That as much as we have our discouragements that hold us back, even our successes where people are coming up and giving us a pat on the back and saying how wonderful we are. I know no one's probably not saying that you're an actual God. But you know what? Paul really could have spent a lot of time there on that island and enjoyed quite a nice, comfortable life. I mean, I've, I've looked at the pictures. Malta, kind of a nice place. Island, beautiful, Mediterranean. Here you have people thinking he's a God, can serve him food whenever he wanted, do whatever he said. I, I imagine that could be just a wonderful, comfortable life. But he knew, Paul knew that as much as, our, as the difficulties and the hardship can halt our progress in, in God's purposes for our life, also our successes can halt our progress as they tempt us to sit in the comfort, in the luxury, in the... The, 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 the blessedness that we sometimes think of, 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 of getting that, that affirmation and that encouragement and just that, that good, comfortable, easy life. But Paul, he, he was undeterred. He didn't let that, that adulation, that, that, that praise for himself stop him from moving forward in the purposes of God. You see, Paul understood something, something much bigger than himself that propelled his, his life, that, that drove him towards the purposes of God. And it was bigger than himself because every time he'd face hardship, when he, when he, when he lived and in, 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 in concerned himself with his own state, he would have been tempted to hold back. And if he concerned himself with his own praise and, and adulation, he also would have hold, held back. But something bigger than himself propelled him further. And we get a little glimpse of that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse eight to, verses 8 to 16, it says this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Think about that. So we live in the face of death, but that has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. And we know that God 
who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And here it is. God will receive more and more glory. I want to suggest to you that what drives Paul, what propels him towards the next steps in God's purposes for his life is not to pursue his own comfort and not to give himself success and praise and luxury, but instead to give God glory. It's bigger than himself. To God be the glory, to give God glory through his life. Not just one hour on a Sunday morning lifting up praise, but his whole entire life, giving of himself, living for Christ. That is what drives him past the hardships and difficulties and beyond the praise and the adulation that might, he might receive along the way. What is glory? Glory is so much more than the credits at the end of the movie. Glory is to give renown, to give fame, to make God famous in your life. And so as you go forward and you're thinking about your steps, you're thinking about, about where God is inviting you into, I want you to consider this question. I want you to consider this question. Who's most famous? Who gets to be famous in, as you're discerning this next step? That will give you a clue as to whether it's from God or it's from you. Who is most famous in this decision, in this direction, in this nudging? Who gets the fame? Who gets the renown? I was uh, following a little bit this recent spat on media and social media between two theologians, two uh, Bible scholars, um, it started with a gentleman named John MacArthur, and, and John was sitting at a conference amongst his people, and uh, he's done this before where they play this little game where they ask him, they say one word, and he said, what's your first word that comes to your mind? And it gives him a platform to kind of share his thoughts about this, that, or the other thing. And um, as uh, he was being led into this, everybody knew that he wasn't a big fan of Beth Moore, and he had his reasons for that we'll go into in a second, but he was not a fan of this other Bible teacher, uh, Beth Moore, and so they asked him, he said, what do you think of Beth Moore? What's your word association? It was a big setup. At a Christian conference, you can see, sense the, what's happening here? And so he said, go home. And be, there was laughter in the room, and of course it was videotaped, and it, everybody took to media, and social media became this big thing between these two people, and came this question about women's roles and, and church leadership, and, and it grew to this sort of power play, theological, political power play between these two perspectives. And what really spoke to me in the midst of this, that really jumped out at me, that I thought was really powerful, was Beth Moore, after getting all of this backing, after getting all these people that would stand up for her and, 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 and speak about how her Bible studies had made a difference in their lives and everything, after getting all of that backing, she takes to Twitter, she speaks to her people, and she says, look, let's cool it, guys. <laughs> let's cool it with all of this. It's not honoring God. It's not honoring God. Who gets to be most famous in the directions of your life? As you're considering what that next step may be, 
Who gets the fame? Who gets the renown? Who gets the fame in the midst of your difficulties and troubles? Who gets the fame in your successes? Who gets that? Here's another question. What are you stepping away from? As the Lord is inviting you into a step forward towards his purposes, you can't leave one foot behind. Now, trust me, I've tried this on the escalator. You ever done this? Try to keep one foot on and one foot off on the, on the ground and see how that works out for you. It's a fun little game. If as long as you are ready and willing to step forward, you're going to probably be asked to step away from something else. You can't stay on all the steps. And as the Lord is inviting you forward, inviting you into that next step, which step are you going to be leaving behind? What step are you going to be leaving behind? Or what are you stepping away from? And finally, here's another question. Um, what's, what's it going to cost you? What is the cost to the step that you think God might be inviting you into? Because there will be one. I know this is kind of like elementary, but I think it's worth saying. Valuable stuff costs something. <laughs> and God's purposes ain't cheap. God's ways are valuable, and valuable things cost something. What will the cost be? And how many times have we considered a direction, consider what God is calling us into, and we feel afraid because we know that it's going to cost us something? That we're going to have to lay some of our own agendas aside, our own comforts aside, our own luxuries aside, and it's going to cost us something. It's that direct question of what is it going to cost you that, that leads us to that question that Sky Jatani had asked before. I think it's worthwhile bringing it up again. Who would want that? If it's going to cost us something, I mean, who, who would, would want that? And the answer is simple. Because there's nothing of greater value to us. A life lived for the glory of God has no, has greater value than anything else that this world might offer to me. And that's why I live for Jesus, pursue the purposes of God and the call that he has placed on my life, even despite what it might cost me. Paul lays this down in Romans chapter five, verses one through five. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And we can rejoice too, listen to this, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us in develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope, this hope will not lead to disappointment. 
For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Whatever your next step might be, I don't know what it is. I have a sense it might cost you something. It may not lead to the, lead to the luxurious, comfortable life, but I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. Following the purposes of God Answering the call, the invitation for your next step towards the purposes of God will not leave you disappointed. I promise you that. Hope does not disappoint when our hope is in Jesus. So I'm wondering today if you're ready. Maybe not ready to take a next step. Maybe you don't know what your next step is. But I'm wondering, I'm inviting you to think about and to consider here in this moment, are you ready to stand and make a commitment to say, you know what, Lord? I don't know what my next step is gonna be, but I'm, I'm ready. Show me, God, I'm, I'm ready. Is that a commitment? Is that, is that something you could say today? Even if you don't know it, even if you know that it might cost you something, would you be willing, would you be able to stand and say, you know what, whatever it is, God, I'm, gonna, I'm ready, I'm ready, show me the way. I'm ready to listen. Could you make that commitment today? Let's stand together. and Throughout these last four weeks, if you've been sensing that God has been nudging your heart a little bit, Maybe you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You've been putting it off. Or maybe you just kind of sense that there's something there, but you're not sure exactly, you know, what it is. Could today be your day where you said, okay, God, yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the commitment to figure it out. I'm gonna make the commitment to pursue you, to hear your call, and to understand your purposes for my life whether you know it or, or not. Could you make that commitment? And if you could, I'm gonna ask that you would symbolize that prayer and that commitment by coming forward. Just come forward to celebrate and to sing with us, to celebrate and to sing and say, I'm making this commitment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that next step. I'm gonna indicate my readiness. I'm gonna proclaim my readiness to God. I'm ready to take that next step. Would you symbolize that by coming forward? Come on. Come on. Whatever might be holding you back, could you make that commitment and say, yes, yes, I will. And I come on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the way same God who's never late is working all things out, working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name.
same God who never fails. Will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. Is working all God, as we stand before you, Lord, sometimes completely incapable, filled with distraction and opposition, God, you give us power. You empower us through your spirit to to live for you and to glorify your name. Thank you, Lord, for the commitments that were made here. I pray, God, that you give wisdom and clarity. I pray that you give boldness and courage. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us protection as we go out and that we serve you to shine your light into the darkness. Small ways, big ways, whatever it might be, God, however you are leading us, I pray, holy God, that we would experience the joy of hope in you in the fullness of a life lived for your glory. And Lord, we ask this not according to our own uh, abilities or, or, or anything that we've deserved, Lord, but we, we ask for it because of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I invite you, if, if you're still wrestling with what your call might be, um, we've 
great pastoral team that would love to walk through you, walk with you through all of those questions and everything. If you would indicate something, maybe on your Connect card, or um, they got extra ones at guest services, or even come up and talk to us, we would love. That's what we do. We love to help connect you with what God's purpose is for your life, and to help lead you through that. So, and just in, as in, uh, invite you to to seek us out if you're questioning and you're wondering about that. But all of you, as God's children, um, as you go. Would you be filled with God's spirit that whatever the next step might be and despite whatever, uh, whatever might happen, may you go in his strength and his power and his peace as you shine his light. Go in his name. Amen. You're dismissed.